0: Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you're listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Um, if you did or did not notice, um, Dad's not here today, and he's actually down in Sumner speaking at Living Hope down in Sumner. And so... We just have a partnership with them that we like to foster and keep going on. If you don't know their pastor, um, he actually uh, was an apprentice with us for about a year. And so then two years ago, he started that church um, down there in Sumner. And so we like to trade speakers once in a while just to mix things up. And so I'm speaking today. And so enjoy and have a good time today. (laughs) So uh, that's pretty much it. But who's with there, we have some teachers who are here today. We have some students who are here today. Who's ready for school to be out? And maybe you are already done. So we can, you can clap for that and be excited. And, you know, yeah. So, but what's, what's funny is when you're thinking about school being out and stuff, like, parents, I mean, you got to be wondering, like, what the heck is going on, you know? You, now you have to deal with your kids all day long, or maybe you just leave the house and just let them roam free while you're off at work. But whatever your situation is, when I was a kid, I loved the summer because it just meant like activities galore. It meant just going to do whatever I wanted. And so I remember one of specifically, and I'm going to tie it in to students who are going to camp. But when I was 14 years old, um, I forget which grade, I think I was going into my freshman year. And so I remember... That summer, I just had so much stuff planned. It was a lot of church stuff. It was a lot of vacations, and I was just excited to not have to go to school anymore. And so I signed up for camp. I was getting ready to go, and one of the coolest things that that camp happened is that's when I really felt like God called me to go into ministry and to eventually be a pastor. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor at that point, but I really felt God calling me to to start really thinking about people that need to know Jesus. And kind of letting my life be dictated by that fact. And so it was when I was going into my freshman years during that summer, I went to camp. And what's cool is next week, a week from now, we're going to camp over at Silver Lake in Spokane. And it's going to be super exciting. But what's cool for me personally is it was, I'm going to be able to go to the exact spot where I was sitting when I remember God really telling me, hey, you should really think about people that need to know me. And I remember that prayer, and I remember what the speaker was talking about, and I remember just sitting there thinking, yeah, you're right. And Thad was my youth pastor at the time, so it's kind of this like weird, like just my life has shifted so drastically from that point. But I just remember from that point is when I decided with a friend of mine to start a Bible club inside of our, it wasn't really a Bible club, but we met during lunch once a week um, in our junior high And it was just, we met and we invited people. One week we always had pizza and invited people just to have lunch with us. And we'd have a pastor come and tell us about Jesus and people would give their lives to the Lord. And it was just this cool opportunity. And from then, I've let my life be dictated by that decision. And so I'm praying for the students that are going to camp over this next week just because I want God to just call you to do something awesome or to change your life. And I don't know what that is. That doesn't mean you have to, become a pastor. It doesn't have to be anything. Than, but maybe you just choose to to just live for him in your life and you're going to let your life be changed by that. And so parents, if you're sending your kids to camp, just be praying this week as you get ready to send your kids off. And as a church, let's just join behind our students. And I bring this up just because um, in light and what we're talking about today, being um, out of school and thinking about Kids and thinking about children, and from the littlest of ages to to high schoolers, is when we read about Jesus, is that He loved children. And what we're going to read today is that He told us and directed us to understand the kingdom of God through the lens of a child and just having that humility. And so, let's read in Luke 18 15 through 17. We're going to do some flip flopping, so we're going to jump to verse 15 through 17, and then we're going to jump back to the beginning of the chapter later on. But Luke eighteen fifteen through 17 says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so when we read just that little snippet, that little story out of Luke, we can understand that Jesus had a cool mentality when he was talking about children. And we can also understand that the disciples did not have a cool mentality when when you're looking at children. I mean, could you imagine being one of the disciples and little kids are coming and running to Jesus' feet or parents are bringing their babies. How could you feel as a disciple to just sit there and be like, No, don't let those children come to Jesus. He has more important things to do. Like, I just can't imagine being in that situation. And I think it's really cool that Jesus directs them and tells them and corrects them and says, you know what? The kingdom of God is for people such as this, little children, people that are trusting and have nothing of their own, and they just depend on me. And so when we're looking at Jesus, why did Jesus go out of his way to say, let the little children come? And so in a book I've been reading, it's about the kingdom of God. It's by an author named Greg Boyd. He talks about children. And I just highlighted this actually this week, and it was kind of a coincidence that we would be talking about children today. But he says, to Jesus' way of thinking, there's no place in the kingdom for evaluating how important someone is on the basis of their power, possessions, money, or social respect. Children have none of these. But for that reason, they have open access to the creator of the universe in his arc- incarnate form. And I thought that was so cool to read that because it is true. Children don't have any power in our society. Children don't have possessions unless they've been given to them. Children don't have an access or, or um, access to money. It's not like a lot of children have jobs. And if they do have jobs, they're probably not getting paid for it. They're in slave labor. And children don't have social status. Children can't be, unless you're Justin Bieber or something like that. But but there's not like if you're a child that, that you have this status or you have this stature or you have a lot of money. You don't have anything. You're dependent on your parents and your family to be given everything. And so Jesus tells us that without all those things, children have a good mentality because they can just see the things that they need and they can want them. And when we're looking at how do we apply that to our lives, maybe we just need to understand that we need, to, we need Jesus and then we in turn want him. These children are being brought to Jesus and they're humble because they can't do anything on their own and are dependent for everything. And so as we've been talking about in the last few weeks, um, sometimes the biggest step in our relationships with Jesus is coming to the point where we recognize that need for him, and then let that become our want for him. Jesus uses children to show us how we need to approach and receive the kingdom of God like children. And so the first point today is children show us a glimpse of the humility needed to enter the kingdom of God. And so you might be saying as parents here, you say, my kids don't have humility. My kids humiliate me. Or or my kids, like, they don't understand what being humble is. But If we're being honest with ourselves, kids display humility just because they are humble. They are in humble settings. They can't do a lot for themselves. And as parents, from a baby up into a child, and then they become teenagers and they can think they can do whatever they want, right? I mean, that's how I was. And so, but like, kids need their parents. They have that need. They have that desire for, they need food. They need shelter. They need clothing. And there's nothing that they can do for that unless it is given to them. And so, if kids are humble, then that means adults have a large hill to climb. Because in our society, and just the way life is, as we become adults, we begin to become independent, we begin to do things for ourselves, we get jobs, we're able to clothe ourselves, we're able to get our own food, we're able to make our own choices, and that's great. I love freedom, but one of the coolest things that our freedom can bring is the choice to follow and love Jesus. And a lot of times in our society where we would say, no, you need to be about getting yours and and you need to do whatever puts you farthest forward, we begin to think that, well, whatever, I'm capable of meeting all of my needs. I'm capable of finding my own happiness. I'm capable of doing everything I need to be a success. And then when, when we look at eternity, when we look at Jesus, sometimes we don't understand that there's nothing that we can do, that can put us in right relationship with God. There's nothing that we're going to do that's going to convince God that, that we are good. But if it's because of Jesus and his life that we can look to him and accept his life, his dying on the cross for us, him being resurrected and accepting that the minute we choose to follow him, then that's where that point of of just where we no longer need it because Jesus has given it to us. And so there's nothing we can do, and so in that, if we are prideful in ourselves thinking that we can accomplish much, we realize that we need to look at our lives like children, just like the way Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is for such as these. And so in our lives, do we look at Jesus the way a child looks to his father, or his mother, or his family, and says, I need, I need them? Do we need Jesus? And so when we're looking at the world and how it tells us, sometimes we have to change our mind. And Romans twelve two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we have problems being humble and finding humility in our lives, maybe our minds need to be renewed. We need to come to Jesus and say, God, renew my mind. Let me have that fresh awakening of my need for you so that I can enter into a strong relationship with you. To know what it is like to truly need you. To understand what in life truly matters. And so when when we do this, I believe that we begin to see salvation not as a one-way ticket to heaven but we see it as a life-changing decision that brings us into God's family. And one of the coolest parts in Paul's letter to the Romans is in the New Testament. He uses the analogy of a family and actually like being adopted into the family of Christ, which is being adopted into the church. And it's when we choose to accept Jesus as we're actually adopted into his family. And it's uh, just listen to this. It's Romans eight fifteen through 17, and it's in the message version or paraphrase. Um, just because I like the way that he puts it. But it, this is Paul speaking. He says, This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expecting, greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, Father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. The kingdom of God is an inheritance that we cannot earn. In fact, it's as if if God adopted us into his family. And all we have to do is just say, yes. Yes, Father. Or as, as it said, what's next, Papa? You know that word in other translations says Abba Father and that can even be translated more to it's just like an endearing term of calling God daddy. And do we feel like that when we're pursuing Jesus or when we're pursuing God? Do we feel like we've been adopted into his family? Have we, or have we gotten an inheritance that we cannot earn and look to Jesus for our needs? God wants us to receive him in his kingdom, with a childlike faith, and that is one full of humility. And so the end of that passage that we read, when it's talking about going through hard times with him, then we'll certainly be able to experience the good times. It's a perfect transition to the beginning part of this chapter, because it talks about, Jesus is talking about what we're going to do going through hard times, and how we should live. And so that's what we're going to talk about the rest of today, is when there are hard times, who do we look to? How do we pray? How do we process those things? And so if you were here last week, you know Thad talked about the kingdom of God and actually the coming of the kingdom. And Jesus was talking about after he after he dies and, is, and raises back to life, after he is ascended back into heaven, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm gonna return. And so that's what Thad was talking about last week. But as we've been reading through Luke, we've talked about many things relating to the kingdom of God. John Back in the beginning of of Luke, John the Baptist came and said, I'm preparing the way for the kingdom of God. And so then Jesus comes, and that's the actual coming of the kingdom of God. And so then... In the future, as we're reading in Luke, Jesus is going to die, and then we're going to have his resurrection. And the cool thing, Thad mentioned it last week, but the cool thing that we have for us is we have hindsight. We know the end of the story. We know what is happening in this. But the people in this story, the disciples, they didn't have that knowledge. And so we're reading their um, grasping of Jesus' teaching before they knew that he was actually going to die, and that he was actually going to come back to life, And that he was actually going to prove to all of them that he is the Son of God. And so what you find is that the the disciples are often left waiting. They're in this time of waiting. They're waiting to understand fully everything that Jesus had. And so Jesus prepares them for this. And in the book of John, we read about Jesus speaking to disciples. And there's this verse where he talks about um, the advocate. And so I just want to read that really quick and he's actually talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's John 14, 15 through 21. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to be leaving this place, but you're not going to be alone. And one of the coolest things is that he calls it an advocate. He's calling his Holy Spirit the advocate. And that word just gets me because it's like, thank you, Jesus, because like, I need an advocate in times of my life. I need someone who will advocate for me on my behalf, someone who will give me power that I don't have, someone who will stand up for me. Haven't we all been in situations in our life where we think like, I can't do this on my own. And that's the, the Holy Spirit that comes in and is our advocate to live with us and empower us to be encouraged in our lives. We, we, we all have an advocate, and that is the Holy Spirit. Other verses call the Spirit a comforter, or even that the Holy Spirit himself prays for us with wordless groans. When you can't find the words to pray in a situation, it's encouraging to know that the Holy Spirit is advocating for us on our behalf by praying in wordless groans. For me, that's encouraging to know that it's not all about my power and my strength. And so Jesus is going on, and we realize that in this time, the disciples are in the kingdom of God because Jesus is there, but we're also a part of that too, because now that Jesus has died and rose again, and he sends his Holy Spirit, we're in this time of waiting just like the disciples. And so the the time of the kingdom is already present because of Jesus, but also the kingdom hasn't reached its full fulfillment until he returns again. And so last week, this return of Jesus is what Thad was talking about, the coming of the kingdom of God. And so in this time for us of waiting for Christ's return, what are we supposed to do? And so we're going to read the beginning of Luke 18 because Jesus says it plainly on what to do. So Luke 18, 1 says, Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know, I like this parable better than other parables in the Bible because Luke, the author of it, he just gives it away at the beginning. Luke says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You would think if you were an author, you would put that sentence at the end, after the story. Like, tell the story and then say, Jesus told the disciples this so they would always pray and not give up. But as we're studying Scripture... It's cool when there's easy things to take out of it, and that's that we should always pray and we should not give up. It's super simple, but if we look at the disciples and where they were in this time of waiting, and this time of not understanding what the kingdom of God actually was, they should always pray and not give up. The The disciples were people who waited. After Jesus was crucified, there was this wait time of three days but I'm sure it was probably really weird and excruciating because they don't really know for sure if Jesus is who he said he was and so they wait and then Jesus comes to life he's resurrected from the dead and so they have fulfillment for their waiting and then Jesus goes on and says wait for the Holy Spirit to come to you, and you'll be given power to witness to all the nations. But so they had to wait, and the fulfillment was the Holy Spirit. And so now, as we read through Scripture, as we read throughout the, the New Testament, as these disciples go out through all the world preaching about Jesus and doing things because they're saying, Jesus is coming back. We're all waiting now for Jesus to come back. And so I can't wait for that fulfillment. We're in that too in this waiting period. And so out of this parable, what can we be encouraged with now today in our lives as we wait? What should we do as we wait? And so the first thing we should do is pray relentless prayers. The first thing we should always do is pray. This woman in this parable relentlessly went before this corrupt judge and pleaded her case, constantly crying for justice. day. By day, by day, by day, by day, she came to the judge and said, give me justice. And so finally, the judge realizes that this lady is crazy. Like, this lady is just going to keep coming up to me, and she's going to keep bothering me. So I'm finally just going to grant her request. I'm going to give her the justice that she wants. You know, he's like, I don't really care about her. I don't care about her plea but I really don't want to be burdened by this anymore. And then Jesus says, if this corrupt judge is going to meet this woman's need, how much more is the God who loves his children going to meet the needs of the prayers that they pray? And so I'm not naive enough to think that just because we pray our prayers, that that means that they become answered or that God grants those requests. Believe me, if you know some things that are going on, I would love to just be able to pray for healing for people. I'd love to be able to pray for blessings on people, but that's just not how it works sometimes. But that's why when we look at Scripture, when we read this story, and Jesus' direction for us to to pray and not give up, we can also look to other instances where Jesus taught us how to pray. And so we read in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, this is the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if we pray that type of prayer, if we pray what Jesus told us to pray, then then you're saying all my prayers will be answered, correct? Well, no, that's not how it works. But it is a way for us to gauge our attitude when we come to pray. And so when I read the Lord's Prayer, I just think of these quick things. I think it's all about God. He's got big plans, meaning that's His will. He's going to do what His will says. But I also have daily needs I can bring before Him. I need forgiveness, but then I also need to forgive others. I want to walk straight on this path, so God, keep me from temptation. And finally, God, please protect me from evil. And so as we look at this Lord's Prayer, it's not a magic formula, meaning if you just pray prayers like that, that that God's just going to grant all your prayers. But it does get us in this attitude of understanding what God is about and how we can be a part of His plan. And that God's will is coming. The kingdom of God is coming on earth as it is in heaven. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be people that bring the kingdom. And so one of the coolest stories on prayer as a kid is that my church, when I, this is like when I was in first to third grade, we had this thing called Adventure Club. And it was for little boys to hang out um, on Wednesday nights while their, kid, while their parents could like, go on a free date or something. You know, uh, I don't ever remember my parents even taking me. It was like my aunt who would drive us to church. And I'm pretty sure my parents just went and had fun, you know, and did stuff. And it's just this cool thing you don't realize, you know, but your parents actually have a life not that revolves around me, so. Um, But, so, at the end of these little adventure club meetings, the leader would always ask us, okay, does anybody have any praise reports or prayer requests? That was always, you know, praise reports and prayer requests. And so, you know, typical things would come up, uh, you know, pray for my vacation I'm going on, or Pray for, please help my sister just to stop bugging me. You know, that was me. Like, just let them leave me alone. And then, you know, help us raise money for missionaries. That's, like, the most spiritual thing we would probably ask for. And not really for the missionaries. It's because there was a contest versus all, like, the girls' groups and the other boys' groups, you know. But I remember, specifically, this one kid, I remember he just said, you know what, my prayer request is please help my dad to accept Jesus into his heart. And as a first grader, you know, i like, I didn't accept Jesus until I was seven, you know, but it's like, you're like, even as a seventh grader, I understood the magnitude of that prayer request. And so this prayer request, though, like, I remember the first time, but then it would go on for weeks, like, please help my dad to accept Jesus into his heart. And I didn't know the whole story about what this guy's dad is all about, or what his life was, but this prayer request kept going on, like weeks, it would go on for months, and like, I remember when it would go for years, and so there's this temptation sometimes, as little kids, you're like, why do we pray for this every week? Why do we do that? And I remember my teacher just saying, you know what, we pray for it, because we're going to keep asking God to do work in, I don't even remember the kid's name, but in this dad's life. And so we did that. And so I remember with prayer requests, there's always praise reports. And what was cool is the time that that kid skipped the prayer request and was able to share the praise report that said, my dad finally gave his life to Jesus. And that was a cool moment. Even as like a young eight-year-old, it was like, I could celebrate with that kid. And so sometimes I think we need to remember is when I pray for things that seem helpless, I remember my friend's dad. Is that no matter how many times we come, we need to pray relentless prayers for God to work in people's hearts and in their lives. You know, faith can be built by a sudden miracle. I'm not doubting that when we pray one time that Jesus can come and change someone's heart, or change our lives, but sometimes faith is built by a mountain of faithful, patient, intentional prayers. And so that's what we have to remember sometime in the kingdom of God, to have that childlike faith to continually relent, not relent in our prayers to God. 1 Thessalonians 5 16 through 18 says, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. These aren't special occasion type things. These are daily, even hourly things we can do in our lives, where we rejoice always, we pray continually, and we give thanks for what God is doing. The next thing that we can do as we wait for Christ's return is realize that God hasn't put us off. Jesus said, that we would that God does not put his people off that he hears their cries and sometimes I think that we think Jesus or God is upstairs and he's just like not listening to us like you know like God, hear my cry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, have, I need to watch this new show on Netflix. Like, you know, we think in these terms of like, you know, I'm too busy. I got this other stuff going on, Jaden. I don't need to listen to your prayers right now. I don't need to answer them right now. But God's not like that. God hasn't put, a fa- put us off. He wants to be intimately and personally involved with our lives. There's no time frame or ladder plan for this. It doesn't mean that you have to come to church, you know, four weeks in a row and then your prayers are going to be heard. It's like, no, you just pray wherever you're at and God hears your prayers. And if we choose to walk through this and continually just give our prayers to God, He hears them and He meets them and we walk and we're grown and we've grown our strength in following Jesus. We talked earlier about Jesus sending another advocate to the disciples, and we we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so he talked more about that in John 14. Verses 25 through 27 says that Jesus saying, All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will son in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What we don't give enough credit to sometimes in our lives of following Jesus is that we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to live our lives in an empowered way. So that we know that when we pray, God hears us. So that we know when we go through trial, that we can be comforted by the Holy Spirit, by our advocate. So that when we're in a tough time in our relationships, that we can know that God's ways are better than our ways. And if I love those relationships the way that Jesus loves me, I think he has a plan for those relationships. Relentless prayers and the Holy Spirit are a potent mix because the aftermath of those things coming together is always going to be love. If you mix relentless prayers with the power of the Holy Spirit, your advocate who groans with silent groans for your benefit, then the byproduct is love for others. And so finally, that's the last point is let a life of love sustain us. Sometimes in our lives we can think like, you know, this is so hard. I have so much stuff going on. I need to endure much. Jesus said, "Pray and do not give up. And so sometimes in our lives, as we live those lives of love, we have to realize that that can sustain us. And so Romans 12, 9 through 21 says this, and just think about these things. Just think about the way Paul describes this love, because it's crazy, and we'll talk about it at the end. But Romans twelve nine through 21 says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, like we're talking about today. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that is a mouthful of stuff. It's a lot, but it sounds pretty awesome, in my opinion. It sounds like a life worth living. It sounds like a life worth striving for. It sounds like a life that I can't do on my own. I pulled out a few things that were hard for me to do. Patient in affliction, like seriously, I want my affliction to end now, you know? Be willing to associate with people of low position. I'm bad at that. I wanna be around people that are like me. That's where I'm comfortable, that's where I'm happy. Live at peace with everyone, like everyone. I remember in college, there's people I butted heads with and it was like, I would not talk to them for the whole year, you know? And it's like, those are petty things. And in hindsight, it's like, you know, what was I doing? But live in peace with everyone. Overcome evil with good. God, how do I do that? How do we do that? When we read that list, it seems crazy, and it seems like a burden, and it seems like really hard things. And that's true. If you're gonna go out and try to do all those things on your own, good luck. Have fun. But what's cool and awesome is that what is humanly hard is easy when we have the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us as our advocate to help us live powerful lives that choose to let love be the byproduct. And that's what I want us to realize today is that our love can be so much stronger if we're empowered by the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is the life that Jesus lived. It's the life that we are empowered to live. It's a life that can be bring hope to others. And so as we see love at work, our faith is sustained if we're pressed to move forward and we don't give up. That's what Jesus is teaching us about the woman who's just relentlessly coming at the judge. That's what Jesus is trying to explain. Just pray and don't give up. Just relentlessly pray. Let your love grow, be empowered by the Holy Spirit. God's not up there putting you off. He's up there hearing your prayers. He's up there working inside of you. He's given you an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to walk with you. And that's what has the power to change our lives. And it's the kind of life that answers Jesus' question at the end of that, that scripture that we read. When the Son of Man comes, Jesus said, will he find faith on the earth? If we choose to love, if we choose to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we choose to pray and not give up, there will be people that are ready when the Son of Man comes. So as we wait, let's do those things. Your action steps for today is simple. Pray and don't give up, that's the first thing. Try it this week, pray and don't give up. I believe all of us has prayers that are worth praying daily for, worth praying weekly for, worth praying monthly for. If it has to be years, then so be it. But pray and don't give up. If you have family members that need to follow Jesus, pray and don't give up. The second thing is find that childlike faith. To have the faith of my little friend. To say, yeah, I believe my dad can come and accept Jesus. Or I believe that we can find healing. Or I believe that God's gonna work through my relationship with my spouse or with my children whatever it is, have that childlike faith to know that God is hearing your prayer and can meet your needs. And then finally, the third thing is let that byproduct be sincere love. Sincerely love other people. Read over that Romans verse this week. It's on the notes if you have the app or just look it up in your Bible this week, but think like, man, there are some hard things in there. If I try to do this on my own, I'm not going to do it, but God, please help me to do those things so let's pray. God, I just thank you for a time, God, just to still to love you, just to come before you and say, God, let me see where, where maybe I have some issues of pride, where I haven't chosen to love you like a child loves his parent. God, let us know you as our Father, and let us love you just with a need and a desire that cannot be fed other than by you. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we go through trials, as we are in this time of waiting for your return, God, I pray that you would help us to find those needs and to pray for them and to not give up. God, I pray that we would live lives that are powerful through your Holy Spirit, that we would realize that there is a comforter, there is an advocate, there is someone groaning with silent groans on our behalf. God, and finally, let us just love Let us love you deeply, but let us love others deeply as well. Let us put aside small differences. Let us put aside things that might divide us, but let us just love the love that you loved with. God, that's our prayer this week, that we would just trust in you. God, empower us in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app online or through our podcast But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.